Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. So we're continuing on in a little mini sermon series post-Easter. And so we looked at last week, the road to Emmaus, and this week we're talking about if Jesus meets us, what now? So let me just recap a little bit about what Pastor Derek, our co-lead pastor, talked about last week in a wonderful way over Easter. So it's the morning of the resurrection. Two disciples, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're dejected, they're solemn, and they're confused. And we see why. Because they wanted Jesus. They had hoped that Jesus would be the, the savior of Israel, but now they were, he, he, was, he was dead. But what happens is, is a man meets them on the road and begins to talk to them. And that man is Jesus, but they don't recognize him. And they sit down for a meal at the end of their journey. And this is what happens. Luke 24, verse 31. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven. And those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon. That's what they told the, these two disciples when they walked in the door. And then they, these two disciples, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So we see that with these two disciples meeting Jesus inspired them to move, to act. They believed and it changed the trajectory of where they were going. And, and then they met with the disciples. They actually came into community. And then as they were talking about these things, very next verse, Luke 24, as they were all kind of sharing their stories and corroborating their experiences, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. And then Jesus said again, going to John 20, which further explains this interaction. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And my friends, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus meets us. What now? So our main point is that Jesus is inviting us into genuine faith, which changes our actions, changes others around us and helps us be sent like Jesus as missionaries into the world. Now, this week, um, Pastor Derek was in a planned surgery. So he had a planned surgery on Tuesday. He was very gracious to schedule that after Easter. And he was coming out of surgery. So, so I sat with Heidi during the entire surgery process. The doctor came and talked to us. Derek got out and he was in that immediate um, recovery room uh, where, where he's kind of coming out of the anesthesia for an hour. And then they roll him up to where Heidi and I are sitting in his room, okay? So he's walking in. He's still extremely loopy. He's in anesthesia. And the very first words that come out of his mouth were, he looked at a nurse and he says, you, you could work for a thousand years and never be more loved than you are right now. And then he turns to another nurse and he says, Jesus, Jesus is enough for you. He's, he's worth it. And, and he's completely drugged up. He's still under the anesthesia, but he just keeps talking to these nurses about Jesus. He tells this other nurse, he says, he says, follow him, follow him and he'll, 
He'll never let you down. You, 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 won't, you won't regret it. You can just, you can, you can rest, rest in him. And so Heidi and I are standing around, we're cracking up laughing. And under anesthesia, we can't get Derek to stop talking about Jesus. It just flowed out of every fiber of his being because that's who Derek is. And he could not stop himself talking about Jesus because he has had an experience with Jesus. He has met Jesus. And Jesus has changed Derek to such a degree that when his inhibitions are lowered, what naturally comes out is just talking about Jesus in the gospel. And so what we see is that we all, like Derek under anesthesia, we all share with others what we have a deep passion about and what changes us. We share what we love. We tell people good news about things that bring us goodness, right? That's actually what evangelism is. We're going to talk about the definition of evangelism in a minute, but I'm going to give you a hint. It means to share the good news. And here's the deal. We can evangelize anything. Evangelism is morally neutral. We don't just do this spiritually. We can evangelize a running community. We can evangelize games like Aaron and Anna um, introduced to us this game called Unstable Unicorns. And Rachel and I bought it and have been playing it with actually many of you who've come over to our house. There's a, a, some new friends that moved down from New York this week. And we started talking to them about Rudy's Diner, right? So I am evangelizing Rudy's Diner when I tell these other people, hey, I've experienced this good thing and I want you to experience it too. So that's going to be talking about today, how, how deeply, authentically being changed by Jesus then motivates us to naturally share this message as missionaries. So my friends, if you and I are not deeply changed, we actually won't authentically share this message. We either won't share it at all, or we'll be shared in awkward or forced or unnatural ways. But if, if we are deeply changed, we actually join Jesus in his mission to change the world and it will come naturally to you and me. So just three things today. Our faith drives our actions. Our faith naturally encourages others to meet Jesus. And our faith invites us to be sent like Jesus. So first, our faith drives our actions. Luke 24, verses 15 to 16. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So we see at first, these disciples are walking away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus, and they did not recognize Jesus. And then this happens. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. So we see first the disciples are dejected, but they're open to Jesus and they didn't recognize him at first. Actually, their eyes, their understanding of Jesus was limited, but gradually as they walked with him, as they heard him talking about himself, their hearts became ready in order to see him for their eyes to be open. And we see that it was Jesus's work that opened their eyes, not theirs. They didn't earn anything, but it's Jesus that opened their eyes. And now they meet Jesus and they're encouraged and then their direction changed. It says they rose that same hour. Immediately they retraced their steps. Their direction changed. They entered into community. They went back and found the disciples and we see that they met Jesus again together. Now, what does that mean for us 2000 years later? What now? My friends, you and I are invited into faith. First and foremost, we're invited to receive the work of Jesus on our behalf 
through hearing, believing, and then obeying this message by making Jesus Lord over our lives. We can be changed to be on mission if we truly hear, believe, and obey Jesus. That's what faith is. And when we're changed, we don't need any special training. We simply need to share our story with others. We don't have to manipulate environments to witness or evangelize. If we experience the good news of Jesus, we're simply drawn into community and we're simply drawn into sharing that with other fellow Christians and with others around us. Now, I will add a caveat here. Some of us have been hurt by the church community. And what faith might look like is re-entering that community again. But what we see first and foremost is that for faith to drive our actions, we must first hear, believe, and obey, which is receiving Jesus. We actually must become a Christian in order to invite others to become Christians. We've got to hear it, believe it's true for us, and then obey by making Jesus Lord over our life. That's what it means for our faith to drive our actions. So our faith naturally encourages others to meet Jesus. Look with me at Luke 24, 33 to 36. They found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So they walk into the room and these two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, the first thing they hear from the other disciples that were in that room that they just entered is, oh my gosh, Jesus appeared to Simon. Then these two disciples said, hey, we met him too. Then they told what happened to them on the road and how it was known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they're talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. So we see the two disciples and the two groups of disciples immediately shared their responses. The disciples that were in the upper room said, hey, Jesus appeared to Simon. And these two disciples coming back from the road said, hey, Jesus appeared to us on the road. They began to share the good news. And that's what the word evangelize truly means. It comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news or gospel. So began to share the good news. And we share with others what we have a deep passion about and what changes us. And Jesus meeting them on the road changed them. And so immediately they began naturally sharing what changed them. And they didn't get trained in the five points of evangelism either. They didn't need a five point training. They just simply shared the story. When we share their joy, then, then it just becomes natural, right? And it's joyful for the people around them. So that's what the word evangelize means. The word witness is another thing. We think about a witness on a stand. It's a testimony of what you've seen and experienced. That's all it is. So when you take the witness stand, you just say, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. You try to be as objective as possible. You just share your story. And that's what my friends, Jesus is inviting us into. And as these disciples shared, Jesus appeared and the other disciples met Jesus as well. And we noticed that they didn't need to conjure up an experience or feeling. They simply shared the results of others meeting Jesus. Now, what does this mean for us 2,000 years later? What now? This is what we're invited to do. Model genuine faith to others like a missionary. So, We celebrate, we act like missionaries here in Clarksville or wherever you're watching this from. We celebrate and mourn like a missionary. So we celebrate. Now, some of you know that Rachel is pregnant and we're expecting our first child and and she's going to be a girl and her name is Autumn. So when baby Autumn comes, it's going to be natural for us to celebrate, right? I don't need a five-point training on how to do that. I'm probably going to post some pictures on Instagram and Facebook. I'm probably going to text people, right? And then it's going to start to go around that Rachel had the baby. And by God's grace, hopefully everything will be good. So if we celebrate in such a way that our identity is placed into this child, that's not demonstrating the gospel well. 
But if we can still celebrate this new baby, but do so in such a way that we're actually celebrating this baby just as stewarded to us by God for us to care for her and help her grow into being a follower of Jesus without placing the weight of our identity into her. That's how we celebrate well. But we also need to be able to mourn well, that like a missionary. So when difficult times come, our response is truly a megaphone to those around us. Everybody's watching you. They're observing how you respond when difficult times come. Will we get bitter, angry, stressed, or anxious? Or will we respond in faith, trust, and obedience? My friends, the proof of the Christian life is in the pudding. Our genuine faith is attractive to others. And so Jesus is typically doing his most impactful work in our lives when we are under stress. And our responses can either facilitate others having an experience with God or it can drive people away from God. I want people to look at the people in our church. I want those outside to look at the people within Redeeming Hope and say, if that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm in, right? When the cancer diagnosis hits and you can respond with faith and you can respond with gospel joy. I want other people to say, if that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm in. I want you to work with integrity, work in a certain way that people can say, you know what? If that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm in. I want you to mourn when difficult times come, I want you to respond in a way that says, if that's what it looks like to follow Jesus, I am in. I want that. My friends, you can model to others around you what it would look like if they chose to follow Jesus. This means that we've got to be in the world. We have to live normal lives, work normal jobs. We can't be isolating ourselves. We can't be living in communes. We can't buy a big property, invite everybody to come and live so we can get away from the big bad world. No, we need to be reassuringly familiar to the people around us. We need to look and act generally like the people around us. But we also need to be intriguingly different. We need to respond differently when crisis hits. We need to respond differently when we celebrate. We need to not place the worth, our worth and our identity in our children or our job or our finances or our house. And what that does is it gives the people around you a holy imagination. You're saying this is what it could look like if you chose to follow Jesus. Your life can be lived like holy imagination to the people around you. So our response to Jesus is to model genuine faith to others like a missionary And so our faith naturally encourages others to meet Jesus. And not only that, our faith also invites us to be sent like Jesus. In John 20, 21, which further explains that upper room experience, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He says, as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is a big deal. One day, post-resurrection, Jesus says, you and I have a mission. We are being sent out. And in the nature of Jesus' sentness, we are sent. And so in order for us to understand our mission, in order for us to understand how we're sent, we have to look at how Jesus was sent and then model our lives around that. So how was Jesus sent? So to help us with that, there's one verse at the beginning of John that actually helps us explain how Jesus was sent. In John 1 verse 14, in the word, the word meaning Jesus, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus' sentness and our sentness is two things. Personally incarnational, grace and truth filled. It's personally incarnational and grace and truth filled. 
The first thing it says is he became flesh and dwelt among us. My friends, Jesus is a real person. He was personally sent and he personally came as a missionary for you to save you. He laid aside his rights. He laid aside his privileges as God to enter into our human experience as God himself personally. And the summary of the nature of Jesus' ascent, this is actually just in one word, incarnate, to come into, to embody. He became flesh and dwelt. He conversed. He lived. He embodied all of the fullness of God to the whole world in his personhood. He was a missionary. That means that he lived with us and he lived among us. He suffered with us and he suffered for us. He fully embodied the fullness of God in a fully human form. He was 100% God, 100% man. This has powerful implications for how you and I are sent. See, our sentness is personally incarnational. It's got to be personal. People are not projects. Because it's not about what other people do, it's about who they are. And only Jesus can change who they are. So what we're called to do is to genuinely befriend people to enter into their lives, into their stories, and to love them like Jesus loves us and loves them too. It's to be a missionary. As, as an author once said, to be Jesus with skin on. Jesus is in heaven. He's got resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. You and I get to be like Jesus. We are modeling the love of Jesus to the people around us personally. But incarnationally, we have to incarnate the love of God to others. That, that means that we have to ask questions about our context and our community. So what's the language of the people around you? We have to learn the language, right? We're in Clarksville. So in Clarksville, we have to learn words like PCS and DD214. We have to ask the question, what are the unique hurts? What are the unique pains? What are the unique troubles of the people around you that the grace of Jesus and the truth of the gospel can bring healing into? So we have to look, we have to, how can we incarnate the love of God into struggles? What are the unique burdens that our friends in Clarksville have? And how does Jesus bring freedom to those burdens? And, and, and how does Jesus speak to the soldier? How does he speak to the retiring officer? How does he speak to the mil military wife going through a difficult time? How does he speak to your friends and neighbors who are struggling relationally and in marriage? My friends, it cannot be project-based. This is why bullhorn evangelism is not the pattern of Jesus. He shared his life with his disciples and my friends, you and I should too. But here's the thing. We are required by the sentence of Jesus to lay down our rights, to lay down our preferences, even from expressing our own political views or our own personal views on certain religious preferences so that we can serve others with the grace and the truth of the gospel. Jesus laid down his rights. Jesus was falsely accused and did not defend himself. And so sometimes for the greater love and the greater good, we are called to lay down our political opinions and not get into silly fights on Facebook. To lay down our opinions about vaccines and masks and COVID-19 and, and to lay them down so that we can model and express the love of Jesus to the people in our proximity. Because Jesus loves Republicans and Democrats and even independents too. He loves us all. And we don't want to limit our missionary efforts by expressing personal opinions that inspire silly arguments that don't matter in eternity. So we see that our, our call is to be personally incarnational. 
But another way that we're called is to be grace and truth filled. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace. My friends, Jesus extended grace to those who needed it. Those who weren't religious, who didn't look and sound and act like him. And wherever Jesus went, they were outcasts and sinners. The outcasts and the sinners loved him and the religious people hated him because they didn't see their need for him. And so for you and me, our sentence is grace-filled. Our sentence needs to show grace, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor towards others. Not hostility, not Facebook fights, not silly arguments and not divisiveness. Undeserved, unearned favor towards everyone in our context. And that means that we truly have to embody the grace of Jesus. But not only that, we see it's full of grace and truth. Jesus communicated the truth of his father's love to the people that he ministered to. And the truth of Jesus brings life. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. That is a very restrictive truth, isn't it? That's a very harsh truth. He even told the disciples on the road to Emmaus that they were being foolish, that they didn't understand what he was all about. And Derek asked last week, can, can Jesus speak to you like that? And that's my question to you today. Can Jesus speak to you like that? And then the truth of the gospel then needs to flow out of us. We need to plainly explain and share the good news of Jesus. We need to evangelize Jesus, not our preferences. Evangelize Jesus, not our politics. Evangelize Jesus, not our preferred method of communication or preferred politician or preferred preference on medical issues. We need to plainly explain and share the good news of Jesus which brings freedom in life when it's appropriate, when people are ready. So in summary, the sentence of Jesus and our sentence is personally incarnational and grace and truth filled. So Jesus invites his followers into a new way of viewing themselves in the world. Instead of screaming, I can do what I want. I have rights. I'm an American. Jesus calls us to lay down our rights, to be constrained in our speech by love for God and love for others that may feel differently than us. Now what? What now? Join Jesus on his mission to be personally incarnational, to be grace and truth filled. It's not about notches on your belt. It's about joining Jesus in his mission and becoming more like Jesus in the process. So this means being kind to your wife. Mission means being kind to your kids, not provoking them to anger. Mission means loving people genuinely and loving them well. And all of these things are part of your mission because you're going to model the gospel to others, incarnate it to your family, incarnate it to your spouse, incarnate it to the people around you and to be grace and truth filled. So our response to Jesus is to be sent as personally incarnational, grace and truth filled missionaries. So as we mentioned a few minutes ago, Jesus, the main point for today is that Jesus is inviting us into genuine faith, which changes our actions, changes others around us, and helps us be sent like Jesus as missionaries into the world. So we have three responses to Jesus that we're invited into. One is to hear, believe, and obey. Hear the truth that he's resurrected. Believe that he died and was risen again for you because you need him. And obey by making Jesus Lord over your life. That's faith. And that means that faith will then begin to drive your actions. Second response, our response to Jesus is to model faith like a missionary. So our faith naturally encourages others to meet Jesus. And finally, our response to Jesus is to live incarnational, grace and truth-filled missionary lives. It's to live as incarnational, 
grace and truth-filled missionaries. And so that means that our faith invites us to be sent like Jesus. So if you look back over the course of your life and you have not heard, believed, and obeyed this message by making Jesus Lord over your life, are you struggling with purpose? Are you struggling with meaning? My friends, hearing, believing, and obeying, truly giving your life to Jesus and submitting to his lordship over your life, it gives your life an eternal impact. It gives you purpose, meaning, significance, and value in this world because then you can then join in God's mission. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, are you struggling to share your story with others? Maybe this needs to be more real to you. When you see someone that was dead and is alive again, you believe them. That's an impactful thing. And so our hearts yet are forgetful. We have forgetful hearts. And so, so we, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel. So we need to be in groups. We need to come consistently to the gatherings. We need to pray sincerely and frequently for those in our context. And we need to live life as sent ones, personally, incarnationally, which means that it's personal, it's incarnational, grace and truth filled with deference towards others that might not believe the same things we do with care for them. And so Jesus is inviting us into genuine faith, which changes our actions, changes others around us and helps us be sent like Jesus as missionaries into the world. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be a missionary. And I want you to be good missionaries. And I want you to be missionaries that demonstrate grace towards others, that speak the truth when necessary, the truth about Jesus. I want you to live as, as ones who are, are joining Jesus on his mission because you've been changed by him personally. My friends, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I hope you have a good week and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.